Welcome back to the High Horse Podcast. I'm Alex Travis. And I'm Maureen Friedley. And we are leading and, Egos on the Ground. And today we are here with, uh, I'm just going to call you Rooster Horse, but apparently you have a human name and that's Eli yes. Goodell. Goodell, yes. Goodell, okay. Um, Maureen, and what are we talking about today? So uh, Rooster had made a really great comment earlier today when we were kind of discussing on what we would like to talk about today and that he said that he feels that horses are the most misunderstood um, domestic animals. So I definitely think that we can have kind of use that as a prompt and go into conversation there and just kind of see what we get out of our talk today. Yeah. So Eli Rooster, I can't believe I just called you Eli. That felt weird. I'm not doing that again. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about your background um, and how you came into the horses? Okay. My background is not horses at all. Um, growing up, I was a baseball player. In fact, from the time I was five until maybe like last Halloween, I was George Brett for Halloween. Loved baseball. Um, and ended up going to uh, college on a baseball scholarship. Uh, was a national champion. Played um, played on a lot of elite teams. Uh, here's the shocking part about my <clears throat> background, if you will. I never touched a horse until I was 32 years old. Jeez! Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> terrified. Now, I'm not terrified of them. Terrified. Never touched one at a fair or a, not at all. So you looked at a horse and that was like, you were like, no, get away from me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Was there a specific thing that, that made it that way? Did you have a bad run in with a horse in, you know, previously in your life or? Nope. No, no prior experience, no bad experience at all. Um, You know, but that's actually one of the most common animal phobias is horses. Oh yeah. It's their teeth. A lot of people are like really freaked out by their teeth. Yes, and that's exactly what it was. For- Holy shit! That's <laughs> terrified of of they're so big. Um, I had no background with them. You know, their teeth are huge. Never. Anyway, um, <laughs> I used to I used to work for a guy who had a working ranch, and uh, they were they were calving, um, and his son and he usually went and did that together. They would go hop on horseback. The uh, ground they leased was really pretty gnarly. You couldn't get a four wheeler in there. You couldn't drive a truck in there. Couldn't see it from the road. You had to do everything horseback. So his son would, and he would always go. Um, This particular week though, his son was away uh, on a church camp and uh, I was out at his house doing some completely unrelated work from horses or cattle or anything. And he said, I need you to go with me. Um, you know, you're just going to have to basically sit on the horse and, and follow me around and blah, blah, blah. But I need you there. And I'm like, I've never touched the he horse. He set you up. I'm scared. I don't <laughs> like, it'll be fine. Um, he set so you up. <laughs> the first horse I ever touched road whatever was uh a mare named kate um oh, we put you hand- on a mare first <laughs> yeah mare named kate she was a hancock red quarter horse she was oh god oh my god <laughs> the only way you could make it worse is if she was a fucking chestnut right so nope she was a bay okay 26 year old 
horse. She was about 14, too. Uh, built oh. like a so then I was like, all right, fine. So we went out, checked cattle. It was very une uneventful. Uh, my first time on a horse, we were crossing streams that were chest deep in the on the horse, uh, riding up and down rocky ravines. Uh, and I just had a blast. Just loved it. Um, she took you got great a horse boot camp is yeah. what you yeah. got. Yeah, he I literally got a threw yeah. you into the deep end of the pool. Yeah. Um, how many hours riding was that or how many miles? Do you think? Uh, I couldn't tell you miles. We were probably, gosh, I don't know. If I was going to guess, I'm going to say two hours. I, I oh, that's don't not know. terrible. No, it it couldn't it it couldn't have been longer than three. But mm -hmm. anyway, so we got back. I survived. Everything was fine. And I, I specifically remembering remember asking him. Uh, how in the heck do you turn a horse? How do I stop her? How do I, I mean, I had no clue. Yeah. So like completely green. Um, anyway, so the next day I was back out there and, um, he had a round pin set up and I asked him, Hey, can I put Kate in the round pin and ride her in there? And maybe you just start showing me some stuff. He's like, Oh, absolutely. Hmm take great care of you well i had built enough trust in this particular horse that okay i'll try it so we get in the round pin and uh i mean within 30 seconds we're doing rollbacks at a lope and we're i mean all sorts and i'm just having a blast so so what changed for you between that first two hour ride and day two when you had the initiative or you had the motivation to say hey i want to ride that horse again from being uh, terrified I, of horses to wanting to do it. Okay. So I think for me, it was, it was, um, there was a goal. I was getting something done. I I'm very goal oriented. I'm very, let's, let's mm -hmm. accomplish a task. So that part of the day, that first ride was appealing to me that even though it was scary, okay, I know this is a been there, done that horse. I'm with someone I trust. All I have to do is just stay in the center of the horse, I'll be fine. Um, and then the second day it was, okay, well, I wonder if maybe I can do a little bit more of that on my own. I control a little mm -hmm. bit more what's going on. And so I did that and I rode her kind of on and off for maybe, I bet I rode four days a week, just kind of around his, his ranch, not really doing anything, but just kind of getting used to being on the back of the horse. I bet I did that for 30 days, something like that. Oh, wow. I, I mean, just kind of on my own. Um, and he must've liked you. Cause I wouldn't let nobody touch my fucking horses. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Close to him. Very, very close to him and his family. Um, yeah. So he, uh, and his family did a lot of team roping and stuff. Um, and I thought, Oh, well shoot. That looks fun. I was a baseball player. Um, I'm sure I could throw competitive. A yeah. So I just started. Mm -hmm. I'm very, 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 very. I couldn't tell rooster. That comes as a real shock to me. Honestly, I'm taken aback. Are you serious? No, I'm being sarcastic. Oh. <laughs> um, so I bet I spent, uh, just to continue. I bet I spent probably a year just roping the dummy, just roping the dummy, not from horseback, just getting proficient throwing a rope. Uh, then I started learning how to do it 
off the horse at a walk mm. and roping a sawhorse out in the yard. Um, then I decided I want my own horse. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, how so how gray, quickly after you started all this was where you wanting your own horse? I got my timeline. I get my chron- chronology a little screwed up. I should say I was throwing, practicing throwing a rope on the ground before I ever rode a horse. Um, I started roping oh. eight within that first 30 days. So wow. I, I kind of got my chronology messed up. Um, I bought my first horse. First time I rode was July 3rd. And I bought my first horse. What is that? Uh, three months later. Wow. Criminy. Wow. You didn't waste any time. The gray, the gray horse that's in some of my TikTok videos, the mare. That Mm -hmm. that was horse. Um, she, she was cheap. She was extremely green. Um, and I was cheap and extremely green as well. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I started reading, watching videos, asking questions, learning, playing around with the horse, trying different things. Uh, I have made probably more mistakes um, than most people with a horse. Um, and luckily, I've never, never been hurt, never, never had any serious issue. But I, I attribute that to I have always 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 been super aware of the horse knowing Mm -hmm. that uh you know however many hundreds of pound animal that in a heartbeat can do what they want with so Mm -hmm. so i didn't try to do anything bold i wasn't really interested in trying to be some kind of macho cowboy um but i ended up getting uh that gray mare where i could rope on her ride on her i i used to compete on her um wow i sold her um i don't i don't own her anymore um but where i keep my horses now i actually sold her to those people uh, about 10 years ago um they bought her Hmm. and they had had horses most of their life um they're they're in their 60s um and they'd had horses since they were teenagers they were looking for just a sound, safe horse. Um, they came out and tried out my gray horse. They put their grandson on. They rode around bareback. She, she did all the, she showed really well. And uh, they ended up buying her. They took her home and she was a problem for them. Mm. She had, I don't know. I mean, she was just, she wasn't dangerous, but I mean, like they could not get her to to do anything they couldn't get her to well there's this i'm gonna pause you there for a second Richard, because that's something that really annoys the piss out of me in this uh, industry and it's this idea that horses are like a car right if i want to sell my jeep the next person that buys it as long as i tell them you know hey the clutch might stick a little and you know watch the gear shifter it kind of slides sometimes that that's enough right that's not the way it is these animals form lifelong bonds and they have very intimate yeah. relationships with other living things. And so it's, you know, it's, it's almost like uprooting your kids in the middle of the school year or changing military bases or, or doing any of those really profound life-changing things 
Um, and but with the added um, understanding barrier, right? Like I can't look at my horse and say, I'm going to sell you. And I need you to be okay with that. They don't know what the fuck you're saying. Sure. So they just know one day they got loaded up in a trailer and they never saw you again. And yeah. so I almost anticipate behavioral problems after a sale, especially if the horse had a good relationship with their prior owner. Um, and we've really got to, you know, there's nothing wrong with selling a horse under the right circumstances. And when you do it responsibly, blah, 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 whatever. Um, <clears throat> however, I think we've really got to get away from this idea that like it, it doesn't have any impact on the horse. Okay. If you're going to you sell know, your when- horse, go about it the ethical way, but it gives the fucking horse a little leeway too, huh? And it, and that makes me think, I've always said, you know, we, we started our first horse on our property was my daughter's pony. And I've always felt bad for what I call the plight of the pony, because typically they go from home to home, yeah. to home, to home, to home, to home until they die. Because as soon as the kids outgrow the kid them, outgrows them yeah. yeah, they go on to the next house. And it makes yeah. you, when you put it in that context, it really makes you think like, are ponies as bad as everyone says that they are, you know, ponies get the bad rap of, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're right. closer to hell. So, you know, they're, they have the attitude to match. Yeah. <laughs> and- well, part of that misunderstanding there, since we're on that topic today is also because they're smaller and more sized closer to like a large dog, people just let them get away with more. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's habituated behavior that people just let slide. Um, when in reality, that horse, if that horse was 1500 pounds of doing that same thing, you would not tolerate it. Right. So that's, that's kind of that there for me. Um, sure. Yeah, I think it, so Brooke, we were on live the other day and Brooke talked about the only horse that ever broke her heart and she cried over when she sold. And that was a Mustang because she bonded so heavily with that horse and that horse bonded with her and it was really hard on them both. And she said it was so hard on that horse to sell her she would never train another Mustang again. Well, I got lucky when I sold that horse to these people and they called me and were having some trouble. Um, they, uh, the, 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 interestingly enough, the man is a uh, veteran. Uh, hmm. He was colonel in the army, uh, very successful, very excellent leader of men, very respected. Um, and he was sort of forceful on the phone. He's like, you're counterfeit. You sold me, you know, you're a horse oh. trader. I'm like, oh. I'm not, I will be right out. And I wow. spent probably 30 minutes with them, just showing them what I did with uh, the horse's name is Bella, uh, showing them what I did with Bella. Um, just kind of some really basic horsemanship stuff, because that's really all I had. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a lot of a deep understanding for horses. I knew how to stay safe. I knew how to get a good, a good response. I knew how to build a relationship. So mm-hmm. I showed, anyway, they ended up hiring me to um, train. Uh, he hired me to train his wife how to work with her horse. She had a, she had just bought a, uh, a six-year-old who had fucked her off, broke her back, was dangerous um, to the point she'd been riding her whole life. She was just, she was like, sell the farm and done. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not one to walk away from challenges. So I started educating myself even more. So I took her through what I did with Bella, with her six-year-old. And 
she is probably the best student I have ever seen. She never questioned anything. She followed everything I did, worked on herself daily. Anyway, um, that horse now, and I don't have a whole lot of TikTok videos because it's her horse and I don't ride it, but um, mm -hmm. that horse is the bay that's in a lot of my TikTok, TikTok videos. Um, and I don't know that you could put a value on that horse. He is an amazing athlete. Um, he is very light, very light, very athletic. He's just, I don't know. But it took, I bet we went a solid year of working with that horse on the ground and never got on it. Mm -hmm. Never. And uh, that horse taught me a lot. Some of their friends would come over and watch me work with that horse and they had horses. So they started saying, Hey, can you come work with our horses? And it kind of grew from there. And I started working with other people's horses and a lot of problem horses that really, and I guess that's really kind of the human term for uh, horses yeah. that are understood by their owners, mm -hmm. you know, the ones that are, you know, I, Alex, we talked about it the other day, pull them, you know, pull on them to stop and kick them to go. Uh, those kind of people, and mm -hmm. need that so there's a brief background anyway i don't know how many horses since then um but i just kind of continued to evolve uh in my horsemanship i started out very much kind of the kind of the ranch guy who's gonna put a big nasty bit and a tie down and and you know if they don't do what you want you swing a stick at them you know that kind of stuff um but now so I'm at what point did you, did you change your, your method? So I kind of get, I've been asked that several times. I don't have a method. Like there's not, there's not one thing I do specifically that's a method other than I have learned how to listen to the horse really well. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what changed your mindset? What, what was the, what do you mean? Yeah. What mindset? What made, go from, what made you go from the punchy cowboy that says, God oh. damn it, horse, you're going to do what I tell you to do to someone who's willing to listen to what the horse is telling him? I was, uh, okay. Yeah. I think I kind of told this to Alex the other day. I was riding mm -hmm. uh, another one of my, um, my boss's horses. We were, we were out roping mm -hmm. just in in the arena, just running some practice steers. And I got to the strip and shoot and got my rope back and were, was headed back towards the boxes. And um, the horse had broke its tie down and I could not get that horse to stop. It would not stop. No matter how hard I pulled, no how, matter how hard I tried to turn his head, he would not stop. Was he uh, bolting or was he just not stopping? Uh, no, I mean, we were in a 150 by 300 arena. There was really nowhere he was going to go. And I, I, he was probably, I mean, maybe a little faster than a trot at the highest. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, wow. wasn't bucking. He wasn't misbehaving. He was just moving. He just wouldn't stop without stopping. Yeah. And I mean, mm. finally stopped, but I mean, it was, I was like, dang. And my boss was like, oh yeah, he broke his tie down. No wonder he couldn't stop. And I'm like, what? What does that have to do with it? Yeah. yeah. So I, that I think really kind of sparked me and I, and that was so, an expensive horse. He said, 
yes, yes, this was a very expensive, very expensive, nice, like, nice horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that couldn't stop. That was, but okay. So, but to me, though, that, oh, he's very expensive. He's a nice horse. Well, he was a nice horse and he was very expensive because he was, he had been programmed to, ro- to rope. But that's you know? exactly it. You're exactly right. He was programmed. He was, he was a little, he was a little unhappy machine. He was, yes. He was, I mean, in retrospect, I realized, oh my gosh, you know, Miserable, that wasn't yeah. was a horse at all, you know? Yeah. He just, mm-hmm. um, that, that changed my mindset. So then I, <laughs> then I bought another horse uh, and just started tinkering around. I would watch, I would watch anything I could horse related. I can't even, I can't even name all the people I've watched or the books I've read or the shows or rodeos I would go to. And I would just sit in the, in the top of the grandstands and just observe, just watch. So you became, it sounds like you became obsessed with the challenge of understanding. Yes. I love that kind of stuff. Like that challenges. I became obsessed with why, Um, Mm -hmm. why does that work? Why does the horse behave that way? Why does that not work? Uh, You know, and that's probably the best thing to become obsessed with achieving or, or to chase after because first of all I think it's the most holistic and the most healthy and mm-hmm. second it's never over every horse is going to be different and every horse is different on every day um every day you change a little bit so does that horse so you're never done understanding and you're never done trying to learn as long as that is your goal once you think you've got it all figured out once you think you can train any horse once you think you have the solution to any problem. Oh, your horse is pawing, your horse is bolting. This is how you fix that. That that's when you fooled yourself. That's mm-hmm. that's when I know you're full of shit. Um, right. Because I promise I'll go, I'll walk out to the to the BLM holding and I'll find five horses that'll put put a stop right in your tracks. Yeah, absolutely. And so I do love that challenge. And I, I think also for me, I'm a very busy person. I love work. I mm-hmm. love just staying busy. And, uh, as I got older, I realized that, um, even though I was doing things I liked doing, I wasn't really paying attention to myself. I was just so busy that I never got a moment for me just to take a breath, relax, clear my mind. Um, and as I started figuring out what works with horses, I realized that's my therapy when I'm on Mm, a horse when I'm, when I'm on a horse or working with a horse, um, I tune everything out. I mean, it is just, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on, on paying attention. Um, and so it was, it was the challenge of, you know, getting better, but it was also, that's kind of where I was able to find some peace and, and kind of the reset button for me. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, um, it, it constantly makes me ask why, you know, and it, because of the horses I have, um, and it constantly makes me work on myself. You know, I tell my doctor now, I'm like, I don't have time to be depressed, man. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to be anxious. I've got too many chores to do too many horses to train and you can't walk into the corrals with that mindset. So, right. um, you know, and even when I have days like today, you know, the farrier came and we didn't get Sully trimmed like I really wanted. And, 
you know, whatever. But even on days like today, I'm like, that was me though. That's me. You know, no matter how you cut it up, that's me. And there's a hundred different ways I could have gone about achieving the same thing perhaps sooner. Um, but it, it does force you to face those things about yourself and address them. Yeah. You will not progress any further until you do. Um, and if you think you have, then go buy another horse and then tell me where you're at. You know, in <laughs> as I learned to get good with horses, uh, it made me a better parent. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. At that oh, yeah. time, I'm my, my son's grown now, but um, at the time he wasn't. And there was some um, uh, some pretty nasty custody stuff going on. Hmm. And I had a kid in distress. Um, and thank God for horses, because I think it saved. I, I think it saved. This may be a little dramatic, but I think it saved his life and my life. Just yeah. I don't think it is at all. I don't think it is at all, Rooster. You know, um, I think it's very danger where he's going to die. I don't mean that, but just as far as it, it, it taught me a better way to be heard and understood, even to him, uh, to where especially now interactions with other people in his life are not nearly as rough. I don't know what the right word would be, but. No, I totally relate to what you're saying. Like on so many different levels. Um, I Children think, <clears throat> pray, you know? Yeah. They're, you called them the other day. You said they're dependent. They're dependent on you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, and that's your relationship with children um, can be very similar, very tandem and parallel to your relationship with horses. Um, it's, I think it's very uncanny to me, the horses that have been put in my life. Um, because they're all very representative of relationships I need to work on. It is, 100%. Yeah. Universe. Um, <laughs> every, every time, man. And, and, and anytime I start to doubt that a little bit and I start to think, nah, there's nothing out there. There's nothing bigger than, than us here right now. Um, I look at the crowds and I'm like, never mind whatever dude yes there is 100 percent um we and we talked about this a little bit i um for for everybody listening rooster and i talk a lot in the dms so if you're one of those shitty horsemen doing shitty things on your tiktok we've seen it and we're probably talking about you (laughs) 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 Uh, um um something you know maureen we were you asked me uh about why do I think um, horses are the most misunderstood domestic animal? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this earlier today, how I was learning to read their language, read their body language, communicate with them, be aware of what I'm, the energies I'm sending them. Uh, here's, a, here's something that I do when I was learning uh, and watching a lot of YouTube videos. And I actually do it with TikTok as well. So any of you that are uh, messing with your horses on TikTok, watch out. I've probably seen it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> turn the volume off. Mute a video and watch what's happening. And in your mind, try to figure out what is that trainer trying to convey to the horse? And is the horse understanding it? So watch it with no mm-hmm. sound. 
then turn the sound on and watch it again and see if your thoughts were consistent with what the trainer is saying. Um, and the really good horsemen, it's very obvious what they're saying without the volume. With just their body and their presence, yeah. Their body, yeah. their uh, the way the horse reacts, um, and it's um, it's been pretty cool for me. I video a lot of my stuff. Just I just zip tie my phone to the fence a lot of times. Dude, that's smart. Why have I never thought of that? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, and, that's uh, so smart. And I I do it because <clears throat> I want to see when I'm done, was I conveying what I thought it was? And Do I even have reusable zip ties? <sighs> they really? They make reusable I'm zip ties? I'm fucking hung up on that. Yeah, yeah. I have reusable oh, zip ties. And here oh, I am buying a $50 shit. fucking tripod. I've got reusable zip ties in my Jeep. There you go. Don't ask oh, me gonna, why. I now I got to go on <laughs> Amazon and look at reusable zip ties. Holy cow. Well, anyway, so, and, and a lot of it's really boring to <clears throat> And so I don't put it on TikTok because it's like, well, yeah, I got a step or yep, I caught his eye and it's not very exciting. The camera angle is goofy, but I use that as a check on myself too. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. and um, part of it also is very boring TV because I do not talk to my horses. See, and people would ask me the same thing initially. Uh, I don't really talk to my horses hardly at all until they're at a point where I can start target training them with words. And even then it's target words like back, left, yeah. right, bow. Um, I would do that a lot. I've been doing that a lot now with, uh, with chaps since doing chaps Liberty work, the amount, uh -huh. the amount that I talk to him has drastically dropped since. Doing and your Liberty. relationship has improved it, immensely. So here's yeah, one of the, I, I don't, talk to my horses what is a horse's like natural habitat right it's it's plains they're mm -hmm. they're very far apart vocalization is really not very effective uh when you've got so much distance between different animals you know and so they don't vocalize a whole lot at no, least in the way where they're where they're giving commands Mm -hmm. you know we talked I, about that in episode two. Mm -hmm. Oh, I haven't listened yeah. to all. Of that. I got home late from work, but, um, but look at something like, uh, and I'm not making this up myself. I'm trying to draw on something I heard a while back, but look at like uh, pigs that live in the forest. They have like 42 different sounds and those sounds mean things because it's dark and they're close together. And that's how they mm -hmm. have, you can't right. see each other. So I, wherever I heard that, um, it kind of resonated with me. And I'm not saying you can't voice train a horse. Um, I've made TikToks about it. And I don't know. I was kind of arrogant at the time. I think you can. I just think it's it, it often is done kind of in the wrong way. But anyway. I, no, you're 100% right. And when so when we think about what animal we're training with, it's really, really important that we use their communication style and their communication pyramid. So that's something that people don't consider. I don't um, know what, what you mean pyramid. Could you explain okay, that? Okay, so yeah, a communication pyramid, and everybody has one, doesn't matter what species you are or who you are. A communication pyramid is the degree in which and the 
frequency in which you use a particular type of communication, whether or not it's touch, presence, vocalization, etc. Right. And so the bottom of that pyramid is going to be what you use the most, right? This is like your go-to communication all the time when things are good, happy, and normal. Um, it's kind of like Maslow's hi hierarchy of needs, but for communication. Um, and then at the bottom of that pyramid for horses, it's going to be presence, energy, where you're looking, wherever your eyes are, that's what you're focused on. That is a horse where the horse is 90% of the time. If you go one, one, uh, one tier up, you're going to have touch. And the reasons and situations in which a horse uses touch are not the same as a human being. At the top of that pyramid, you're going to have um, vocalization. A horse really only vocalizes when, uh, you know, they're pissed off at each other and they have a real serious problem or they're telling you to get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, you know, they'll nicker and they'll kind of, you know, they'll whinny if they see a friend off in the distance, that kind of thing. But that is at the at the top. So when you go into the round pen and you're hitting them with a stick, you're touching them all over the place and you're talking to them constantly or you're worse, you're yelling. You're up here. That horse thinks that you're like psychotic. Like this, <laughs> this, this horse, this weird, funny looking naked two legged horse needs to bring it down a couple levels because they're way up here. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't talk to my horses a lot for that yeah. reason. Uh, you, you mentioned round pinning work. And I think <clears throat> one of the most influ influential things that I, I actually saw, uh, was, uh, Mustang Maddie. Uh, she Everybody's did a talking about this Mustang Maddie. I've got to give it a, a, a listen. Uh, yeah. Where have you been? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So she not online um, with um, uh, round pinning and she uh, was challenging herself to, uh, I, I don't like the word, but it, you'll get the gist, break a horse, but do it without ropes, do it without mm -hmm. tools, things like that. And uh it was so different than what you might see from like Clinton Anderson, you know, that, sorry. Sure. Well, no. And, and, and <laughs> I, I agree with you. There is some, there is some value in some of the things he teaches, but if your timing is bad, if you don't yeah. understand the why, what he's showing works. And if you are, if you have a, if you have a big ego. Yeah. You'll create a dangerous horse you do or you just shut one down you turn it into 100%. that turn you turn it into the horse that i rode that had to have the tie down to stop now see you so said now see you haven't even finished listening to episode two and i go on into great detail about just exactly that yeah so if you don't take it from me here is a third person who has said <laughs> the the improper application of quote the method has really serious negative long-term side effects on that horse's mental health and relationship with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely does. And like I said, there's some validity in some of the things he does, but I don't personally follow anybody's method. In fact, I, I couldn't tell you where I pick, have picked and choo choose what I, you know, I've tried a billion things. 
the 100% truth all of the time, every time is the horse will never lie to you. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And so with a little bit of education, uh, uh, you know, as the trainer, rider, horseman, whatever, um, you learn to recognize what the horse is telling you and mm-hmm. start to that. And you can, you can shape the way you work with them to a, a, a way they understand. I mean, you can't walk into a two-year-old's room and scream at them in a foreign language and hit them with sticks and expect them not to poop in their diaper. Right. You know? mm-hmm. But it, yeah, you, so you, it's, it's the same thing with a horse. Like I was saying, children are prey, horses are prey. Have some empathy, you know, have some education. Absolutely. So do you think that's where the breakdown and understand, like, like taking it back again to the idea of horses being the most misunderstood domestic domesticated creature. Um, do you, it, are you thinking that the reason why they're misunderstood is because there's a lack of empathy on our part and understanding that maybe that they want to find that they, they want to build that relationship with us, but we are preventing them from being able to do that. Um, I'm not sure they want to build a relationship with us. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I I think of it more like this, I guess. Um, when horses were being used for transportation, getting a job, making our food, whatever, when they, you know, um, I don't think there was much concern for the empathy. They were tools, you know, it's an an antique cracker. And, and then now we don't need to be that way. You know, there's really no need for horses other than enjoyment. But, um, so I think that the breakdown or the, the, it will go the breakdown is that we're using kind of those methods to get a job done that really we don't need to, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this in words and I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over myself. No, you're totally Uh, fine. There's no need to be whacking on them, be beating on them, uh, putting them in a tie down, riding them all over an arena, jerk on them, pull on them, kick on them. There's no reason to do that. You can, you can get the same job done in a much more empathetic way that a horse understands. And you can still go out and compete on a horse that you've treated that way. Right. I think what you're kind of getting at is what we talked about. I don't remember if it was the second episode or third episode, Maureen, you'll have to remind me, but is the modernization and the accessibility of information on training methods, as well as the variety of training methods you have out there. You know, you have Brandon, you have Anderson, you have Pirelli, you have this, you have that, you have this, you have that. Um, And I think a lot of the, a lot, so a lot of junior horsemen, beginner horsemen, green horsemen are really gravitated towards that kind of stuff because it's marketed very well well. and packaged as a fix all, right? Buy my program. And I don't care if you're the most junior green beginner horseman, you could take a wild colt and turn him into a, a reigning champion, 
right? That's right. how these that's how these marketing programs look. Um, what is take, not considered? Take, take a step back from that, though. So that generation of folks that are you know older now, what was um what was on TV for them to watch, or what was on TV for that generation to watch? It was western well, the old westerns? Yeah. Sure. Try this experiment. Go watch a Western when you, they show the horses. Mute your TV. Watch those horses. You oh, can yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm really loving this idea that you've thrown out with muting videos and movies and stuff like that. I've never considered doing that. I definitely think that if it, our listeners should definitely give it a try and, and practice that. I know that I am for sure. So Well, you know what else? You know what else that does is it, it gives you a different perspective for what the horse is getting from you mm-hmm. in that moment the horse doesn't fucking speak english they don't speak english so you can ask them and talk to them and yap at them all you want but they still don't know what the fuck you're saying they can sure. only read your energy which is exactly what you're getting if it's muted um so well i think too that goes back into us as individuals because let's be honest most people are not comfortable in their own silence I mean, I, you know, a lot of people say I go and I tell my horse all my secrets. I talk to my horse all the time. I've done, you know, you need a therapist then. (laughs) Exactly. But, and I mean, you know, obviously like I work at a ranch that does therapy with horses and everything, but I mean, even in those instances there, there is a certain amount of work that is done with, within yourself, just to be okay with sitting in your own silence. If you can't sit in your yeah. own silence, you cannot sit in silence with your horse for his benefit. I love Correct. the way you yes. Say. yes, absolutely. Correct. Um, it, it's right there tandem with the concept that you have no business being in a relationship, right? Until right. you are yeah. comfortable with yourself. Don't, exactly. I, I hate the serial monogamous, right? A serial monogamous is incapable of being alone. Yeah. Um, so you can't be, you can't be codependent with your horse. Right. And I'm, I'm guilty of a lot of that, but in a different way, I think. Um, so I think what, what a lot of these programs are guilty of is, um, you know, you can, I can teach, I could teach the method, right. Or I could teach the Pirelli or the Brandeman or whatever, but you're not going to have the same timing as me. You're not going to have the same perception as me and you're not going to have the same feel as me. So these people buy these programs right? Or they see these YouTube videos and they go out and they think, well, I'll just apply it and that'll fix my problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three things that I just mentioned are not considered. And so that just kind of perpetuates this. Well, I did those things and the fucking horse still yeah. won't back up. It's, he it's, still it's, won't yield his four quarters. It's, it's, it's so defeating because I was one of the, when I was doing the method with chap, I was that person. I was in all the Clinton Anderson Facebook groups and everything. And whenever you, and it's so awful when you go into those groups and you ask for help and they attack you because they're like, well, obviously you're not doing the method right. And you're like, but I'm doing, I am doing, I'm doing exactly what I'm told to do, but it's not working. What else can I do? And they said, there's nothing else to do. You're obviously not doing the method. Or they blame it on the horse. They blame it on the horse half the time. Oh, that horse just doesn't, that horse is just stupid. It's not, it's not worth its weight in glue. Your horse is being disrespectful. Go move his feet. Ah, I love that one. I love that one. It's, it's, I love that one. The method or, and I don't even want to just point at Clinton Anderson. You can point it to a lot of the horse community. 
It's mm-hmm. an ego. Pirelli is very guilty of that. It's also. A, people are afraid to look in the mirror and that can be terrifying. Yeah. Yes. And a horse great mirror. They're not going to lie well, you to you. You know, and that's what I'm dealing with Sully right now. Um, you know, Rooster, you asked me earlier, you know, what am I going to do? What's What does tomorrow look like? Um, and you asked me kind of to describe what, mm-hmm. why I'm struggling with him. Um, Sully doesn't see me as a leader, period. That's, that's hard for me. That's, I, can't look at, I can't look in the mirror and say that to myself. Because God fucking damn it, if I have been one thing in my 28, almost 29 years of life, it's a fucking effective leader. Can I to throw my something? Family. Yeah, go ahead. Can I throw something at you? Do you remember the yeah. next question I asked you was, does he trust you? And it probably took yeah. you four five seconds to answer me. Yeah. The answer was in he the trust, silence. He trusts me. Yeah, he trusts me not to hurt him. But he doesn't trust me to lead him. No. Oh. You, I believe, if I understand um, a little bit of both of your backgrounds, as you were military, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how fun is it to lead, be led by someone you're terrified of? Yeah. It, you know, and 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 for me, I wasn't military, but like I said, I played very, very, very high level sports, um, and I've had different leaders, coaches, whatever. And the best ones are the ones that I would trust to walk off a bridge because he said, that's how we do it. Versus the guy standing on a bridge, waving a stick and a string at me and saying, jump motherfucker. Yeah. And I, and I'm fully capable of admitting it might just be my presence. My presence might just be too much for him because I, I will fully admit. And I said it multiple times. Sully's size is formidable to me. I, People think I'm bigger than I am. You know, when I ask people online, they're like, oh, I thought you were at least five, six. No, girl, I'm four foot 10. Okay, I'm small. All right. My nine, my, my eight year old is almost as tall as I am. I'm small and I'm super disabled. And so I, 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 I am, I am projecting and I am casting my fear of getting hurt onto him. And that is not his fault. That is not his problem. And that's not fair to him. But and so talk- I probably do your daughter i'm sorry to interrupt you your daughter you said though when we were talking on the live the other night we were talking about your but your daughter can walk right out there with him and he'll just her energy is different her energy is different and i'm for me i would be like wow okay how do i how do i act like a i call it the 12 year old girl syndrome or whatever how do I go out there? And your daughter probably doesn't really know a, a thimble full of your knowledge and your training, but how is it she's being effective? What is she doing differently? What is her energy well, here's- different? And if you can, if you can figure that out um, and build all the way down there. I have thought about that. And here's the problem. And I, the okay. reason the, the the reason that he will interact with the kids so freely and without stress and not a hundred percent, you know, if they go to wave in their arms, he's going to be like, fuck this. I'm out of here. You're crazy. Right. Um, is because he does see them as vulnerable. He sees them as someone to be protected, but that puts him in a leadership position. That's interesting. Now I'm back at, now I'm back at square one. I, I have got to convince that horse that I can be an effective leader and that I'm worthy. I'm worthy of following. That's the hard part. He's not yeah. convinced. 
right? And and see, he's not I, convinced. That some of the validity in a lot of these different methods is I do think there's there's some validity in moving their feet. What's not talked about is how you move their feet, why you yeah. move, and then if they don't, what's your next step? What's your plan B? It sure as hell isn't hit them with a stick. Right. So as far as for me, as far as round penning, what I want to be really clear when I go in the round pen to do, you know, uh, directional work, I don't use the damn stick at all anymore. I don't, take it. All, I, I don't, I don't use the lunge whip at all. Um, the only time I use the stick and string is when I'm, uh, working on touch and, you know, making sure that horse isn't going to strike out at me. If I try to touch his feet, Absolutely. that kind of thing. But sure. when I'm in the round pen, if I, I want, uh, I want an efficient relationship with my horse. That's not built on fear. So I don't go into the round pen with the stick and string or the lunge whip. I want to be able to move you with just my presence because that's how you would move another horse. Mm-hmm. And if you won't listen to me, then that's what we have to work on. We have to back it up even more and work on that. Yeah, you can't, you can't teach somebody to read a novel until they know the alphabet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And and sometimes with the, thank God for the quote-unquote bad horses, because those make you a better horseman, horse person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes with those horses, you have to, we're not even just going to start with the letter A, but I'm going to show you how to draw a straight line that's part of an A. Yeah. I mean, you have to break it down so incrementally. And that doesn't work for the people that want to put 30 days on a horse and hand it back to you and say, it's fixed. Mm, yeah. You know, mm. it, don't get me started. have a concept of time. They don't. Yep. A horse does, does not know when 30 days is up. A horse doesn't know when 20 minutes is yep. up. Uh, and so when you walk in there with an intention of I'm going to spend an hour with my horse and I'm going to get this done. That's when you start using some of those older methods with, with, uh, some uh, whatever, but you, you start doing that. Forcing them to lay down and, and tying them up to a snubbing post. And yeah, a, I hear you. Yeah, put a time frame on a horse and you set the goal in that time frame. How is that fair? How is that partnership? Yeah, no, it's forced. It's coercion. It's force. Um, So I would, I then, now I want to get your perspective on, I think one factor that goes into these horses being so misunderstood, you know, not, not only training being a factor, right. Not only the general everyday person, not having even the most fundamental understanding of horse biology or psychology, but tools, tools. If I, so Maureen, if, Six months ago, I asked you to go around pen chat, but I took your stick and string away. Could you have done it? I could, but it would be harder. Exactly. And so I think a lot of people use tools. They use equipment to bridge gaps in their horsemanship. Like you talked about rooster, that horse with the tie down. He wouldn't stop without a fucking tie down. Um, And I think that using these tools and oftentimes they're not even used properly is creating more of that misunderstanding because we're not fundamentally teaching ourselves as horsemen to be better horsemen at the end of the day. We rely on the crutch of these tools. Um, And that's kind of what I was saying when I watched Mustang Maddie's demonstration is like, are you kidding me? Here's a girl who's next to nothing that can do Liberty work with four. They, I believe she had Mustangs. I don't know. 
but I believe I think work. she exclusively works with Mustangs. Isn't that right? I, I mean, I, I think thought so. that. Was I'm pretty sure she does, but. Okay. But then she used these same kind of principles of just kind of the positive. Approach and retreat. I, yeah. And she was doing it with zebras. Mm-hmm. And it's now like, that's wow. impressive because zebras you are spitfires. Yeah. You don't, but you didn't, but it was cool for me to see you don't need all those crutches. You don't need all those tools, especially yeah. learn how to speak their language in a way that, that they can read off of you. And I don't mean you're talking to your horse or that you're waving your stick too fast or that you're, I mean, like from when your horse sees you get out of your truck and walking up to the barn, what energy are you giving off? Cause yeah. I, tell you now my horses will will not hang around in the in the paddock if i'm having a bad day and i get out of the truck (laughs) yeah they're like oh heck no we don't want to work with him because you cannot 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 train a horse effectively when you let emotion get involved Mm -hmm. when you get and i do what out of what i'm doing round pin in the arena whatever if i'm training and i start having emotion i will step away and just completely you know re- when i when i um anger I need to pause right here for a second knowledge is what i believe so when i can't get a horse to do something and i feel myself get angry i realize that it's, i'm i'm it's to gain more knowledge and i will right. stop right to push past it i'm not going to ride a bucking horse because the horse won't go or he won't stop or he, i'm not going to kick him and spur him and and hang on and ride him i can i'm athletic enough why i love the saying it takes a real cowboy to ride a bucking horse but it takes a real horseman to ride a horse that never bucks that's a really good one i like that yeah so um has no place mm-hmm. if you're to me we can go ahead and leave that in i don't think cps will care um (laughs) (laughs) so when i was really struggling with roni i went to one of my uh mentors and he said i can't help you i said oh fucking great well just shove it up my ass and send me on my way huh and he said no the only person that can help you is that horse he's telling you everything you need to know you are not listening. Love it. Love it. And, and, and I mean, that just took my opinion and my ego and shoved it right back down my throat. Huh? And I felt real fucking stupid because in that moment, then it really, it snapped and it clicked with me. And I was like, well, God damn it. You're right. I'm yeah. not listening. I go in that crowd every day, ready to teach him something new, ready to tell him something that he already knows. My horse knows but- how to trot in a fucking circle. He's not stupid. He can do that. I didn't know how to ask him. So there's something that I learned from Pirelli is I, th- I believe the word is precocial. They're precocial learners. They're born knowing how to do all that stuff. You don't have to teach the horse mm-hmm. how to side pass, how to back up, stop, walk, trot, lope, canter, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to teach that. You, they oh, know. Yeah. It. You just have to communicate what you would like them to do in a way they understand. So, but Alex, don't feel, feel bad about about having to look in the mirror and realizing, oh shit, I'm the problem. Uh, when I sold Bella to those people, I, t- I told you the, the man, he's, a, he's a, a veteran. 
a very highly respected colonel led very big groups of people, men, and that doesn't work with horses. You can't drill yeah, no, sergeant. Don't give a shit. You can't drill sergeant a horse. You can't you can't threaten them and expect them to just okay, yes, whatever you say, yes, sir. That that, that don't work. So don't feel bad, like any of you. Don't feel bad if you have to look in the mirror. It may hurt for yeah. a minute to improve. Jeez, look what else. Do you oh, it hurt for longer than a minute, Rooster. My What's ego that? was the size of a truck. It hurt for longer than a minute. Let me tell you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I, I, a, I had a whole identity crisis, man. Like I went, I went I through that in life like I should. That's one of the things I hope the horses continue to help me with. Is yeah. you know, a lot of times I will get defensive when I really shouldn't. You know, again, it's that emotion anger thing because I need to gain more knowledge. So, well, lately, I think I've started really. Um, I'm not being 100% fair with myself lately because I'm putting like 200% of it on me when there is still a little bit with the horse. Yes. To a certain degree at certain stages. Um, but I think for me, and this is kind of where I'm like learning more about myself right now and growing is in historically in my life, it's been easier for me to accept the blame for things that are not my fault because that's just easier. It's easier when it's your fault because then you can fix it. Then right. you can do damage control. But when it's actually not on you, that's harder because there's not, when it's not on you, you don't have hands on it. You can't fix it. It's not your responsibility. It's not, you don't own it anymore. Um, and I really went through that a little bit today with Sully because I was like, I had to sit down and take an honest inventory of how much work we'd done together. Um, and I was like, I've been, I, don't know, I was really on the fence as to whether or not I could have gotten him any further with the environment we had available to us. Um, but hearing my farrier who's worked with thousands of horses go, no, that horse is really reactive and you need to get him in the round pen before you work with him any further was like really validating to me because I was like okay I've been doing the right thing um it's just gonna it's just gonna take more with him it's mm -hmm. just gonna take more and I really do need to um reevaluate my mindset when I work with him um and there needs to be a lot of adjustment there because I go into that situation with uh, a lot of barrier and a lot of fear because of his size um and, and that's definitely not helping our relationship I totally I think you I think you said you you touched on something that has been a big thing for me in getting back into my horsemanship and that you know when you say that it's just easier to take the blame I feel like that's taught to especially for the younger generation that's taught to you like I can't tell you how many times I've talked to young horsemen and women and they say well this went wrong in my lesson or this went wrong during my, my show or my pattern or whatever, because I did it wrong. But like, how, how is that building up your confidence as a horse, as a horsewoman or a horseman to constantly take the blame for everything you do? And now that's not, not to say that there aren't going to be situations where um, you do need to sit back and look back on what you've done and, and fix, you know, how you've asked your horse to do something like, you know, we, we are all sitting here, three people that have done exactly that. We started off training our horses one way and now we're flipping it over and doing something completely different. But 
when I stopped blaming myself for everything that went wrong and realized that this is a partnership we're working on and it goes both ways. And maybe he did a little bit of something and I did a little bit of something and allowed myself to share that blame a little bit more then I got a lot more confidence and felt like I could handle a lot more with chap. Well, that goes back to the misunderstanding, right? That we've been talking about Mm -hmm. rooster because it's this, it's this misconception that the horse isn't an individual. The horse doesn't have a bad day. The horse doesn't have feelings or emotions or an opinion on what you're doing, how you're doing it and what you're doing it with. All of those things are true. It does. Absolutely. And so it, it, yes, in that um, it doesn't serve us to completely blame ourselves for a situation because that horse is an individual um, and it does have a brain and thoughts of its own. Um, And so I think trying to take 100% of that blame, right? And saying, okay, well, I'm going to work on this. This was all of my fault, 100%. So I'm going to work on this because it was my fault. You fix it, right? Let's just imagine in a perfect world, we, we fix the problem, we're better. If you go back and you present it back to the horse and what happens? you still have the same fucking problem, right? Because it wasn't all you, you have not considered the horse part of the equation. Exactly. And so then eventually the horse just gets labeled the problem horse. Right. Which is the problem with the method or the seven games that Pirelli plays. They're trying to take a cookie cutter approach to an animal. They're not tractors. They're not four wheelers. They're not lawnmowers or trucks. They are individual and they do have some accountability as well. And part of, I think our job is, as uh, horse people is understanding that we may have to vary what we've always done to help, you know, to help the, the horse understand us or to help the horse not feel so fearful or feel like he has to be defensive. And if you use those better reproaches, Yes, they work for some horses. They absolutely do. But the horses that doesn't work for, then you get, like Maureen was talking about in the Facebook groups, all those mm-hmm. people not doing it right. It's your fault. You're a crappy horseman. And, and that's, that's a terrible way to grow this community. That's a terrible way to, yes. to you know, horses are such great teachers and, and you just, automatically throw those people that are so hungry to learn and get better and are struggling you just throw and, them out and crush crush them yeah but you yeah. one of the biggest pieces you should have worn uh a white hat instead of a black hat because that horse doesn't like the horses white. i mean let's not, you know i i just don't like that they make so many excuses and blame the horse and blame the horse and they are they they are accountable too but but I really do feel like we have to be the ones that um, that adjust to them, you know, be aware that, yeah. okay, it didn't work. Why? Hmm. Let's try it's it like good... this. That didn't work. Okay. Let's try it like this. And to me, the number one thing is stay safe. Yes. Period. Stay yeah. Safe. That above all things, always. I, I think definitely that, you know, when it, like, I, I feel like within the three of us, I'm probably the newest to training a horse with chap. Um, and what I've realized is it's definitely very much a give and take relationship, right? Where you, you have to be willing to, like we've been saying, share some of that blame and take some blame. And your ass, you, your horse has to be willing to do the same thing. 
And until you're able to make that connection. And I feel like the horse, the horse doesn't have those societal uh, issues or that peer pressure being told you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Like we do like, you know, going on Facebook or going on TikTok and being told by everybody you're doing it wrong, do it this way. Um, So I think definitely our biggest barrier is being able to say, okay, I can't shoulder all of this by myself and I need to be willing to, if, if I want a, if I want a partner and I'm looking to form a team, you can't take all the blame and you can't take all the responsibility and you have to be willing to step back and allow your horse to be a mirror. Like we've been saying, and just, yeah, you know, going back to the very beginning of all this, I feel like we've come for full circle now being, being willing to listen and understand and work within their parameters that they're going to understand. One of the biggest pieces of advice I could give anyone doesn't matter if you've been training horses for 50 years or five days, um, is that this experience, your training, your program, your method, your relationship with your horse is not linear. Mm -hmm. It is not linear. Okay. It's not a flow chart. It's not, uh, my Jeep won't start. So, okay, let me check the battery. Now let me check the alternator. Let me check the starter and the ignition and the ignition switch. It doesn't fucking work like that. Your car. That's why your Jeep won't start. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, I'm sorry, Alex. (laughs) No, that's okay. It's, it's, (laughs) it's more spectral, right? So, um, rather than trying to think of your, your training with a particular horse, or your progression as a horseman linearly, because that's our nature as humans is to think linear because we Mm -hmm. do have a concept of time. Think of it on a spectral wheel. So think of the color wheel, you know, the color picker wheel. That's what it looks like. One day you might be over here and the other day you might be right in the center and the other day you might be over here. Um, None is more valuable than the other, none is ahead of the other. It's all on a spectrum. So once you, you know, and it's not easy. That's something I struggle with. You know, me and Sully made great progress for two weeks. For two weeks, he was super willing. He was great. We made little progress every day. And then all of a sudden he said, you know what, lady, you can fuck off. And now we're slowly starting to kind of. Yeah. But I think it's because a lot of people make a mistake of it. It should be linear. It should be well, okay, my horse yields the hind. Now he needs to yield the front. Now he needs to side pass. Now he needs to blah, 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 blah. And, and, it, and that is a huge problem. Um, yeah. And, and, the, and they get so ingrained or so <clears throat> locked into, uh, I need obedience from this horse. I need obedience, 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 that there is no balance. If you look yeah. at planning a color wheel as a whole, uh, and not one part is more important than the other, but as a whole, it's important. So the blue is important, yeah. the green is important, the red's important. It's kind of kind of like that with horsemanship. The part most people miss is the relationship part. And if you can get yes, like what you're trying to do with Sully, if you can get him to trust you, accept you as a worthy leader, that horse will climb a telephone pole for, with you. As soon yeah. as he more important I mean, than they that. will do anything for you if you build the relationship first. But I think even more important than that is accepting that he may not. Sure. I have I have accepted 
and I am I am giving him the uh, freedom in just existing, right? In that you may not connect with me, you may not. Just like uh, any number of my ex boyfriends that might listen to this, like you weren't the one, buddy. <laughs> Catch and release, send you on your way. It's you all good. String for your boyfriends, I guess. <laughs> what? I said you should have got a stick and string for your boyfriends. Hey, you don't know that I didn't. But Fair. um so there's you know anyway, at that's the end of the day. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Um but Fair. at the end of the day, uh what I am gonna ask as a minimum is safety. So you might not connect with me, you might not ever uh love me in the way that that Roni does or in the way that now cricket does but you will be safe mm-hmm. you will and that goes both ways he'll be safe and you'll be safe yeah oh i'm never gonna you know, to- he's got he's got bopped one time because he reached around to try to bite me and he got bopped for that uh and but also, that was it it's also okay to realize that you know what this horse and i just we don't mesh together and it's okay to yeah and that's not a failure right and i i think that's important too you may value in that as well yes Mm -hmm. you might be able to ride sully so what look what you can do with it and look look at the work you do that there's a lot of value in that sure yeah with the platform that you have here on this podcast what if if you could only make if you could guarantee that listeners are going to walk away from this episode with one thing that they are going to take into their horsemanship tomorrow what would that be for you wow um i would say what has had the biggest impact on me is awareness of myself Mm -hmm. Um, don't worry so much. Are you doing it exactly like what you see the professionals do? Um, but if you can start with a self-awareness, that is a great foundation to continue your journey of getting better with communicating with your horses. So I think, yeah, I would say that pay attention to your horse. They are a mirror. They're not going to lie to you and, and be aware of what you're putting off. Awesome. It's not so much techniques that matter. It's it's really, yeah, your awareness. Yeah, I don't think get wrapped I, up in the technique. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Okay, Alex, you're up. What's your question? <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask you what is the one thing you would change if you could get rid of one thing or change one thing in this industry and it was you know gone or changed tomorrow. What would that be? Uh we, we kind of talked about that the other night a little bit. I would probably, I think when I, we, we talked earlier, I said a clock, meaning let's not, yeah. let's not um, put such a time frame on things. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was talking to Alex about timed events in the rodeo. I, I used to, I used to do a lot of timed events and, um, and ranch rodeo stuff. <clears throat> and when you try to, when you try to do things really fast on a horse, no matter how broke that horse is, their anxiety level goes up. Mm-hmm. Some horses oh, yeah. 
a higher anxiety level than others. But the faster you go, um, the less accurate they're going to be receiving your cues. So I would slow down, not do things with, with a clock. And that also goes for the trainers that say, oh, I can give you a broke course in 30 days. Because that's mm. either. Like we talked earlier, horse has no concept of time. Really and truly, the horse is going to tell you what they're ready for. So um, if there's one thing I could get rid of is I would say the time frame. That's, that's a good recipe uh, to get hurt or um, have your horse shut down or, or blaming the horse that, oh, well, this, you know, this red mare, you know, I've had her for 60 days and she won't lead on a halter. Well, it's not because she's a red mare. It's because you're trying to go. Right. So I think that would be the one thing I would change. Yeah. yeah that's a good answer. That's why I don't compete. I'm going to chalk it up to that. <laughs> also, I'm just, I'm too competitive and I'll get in a fight in the parking lot. You know, it just is what it is, man. There's what I know, I know me. I compete with myself now. How little can I do to get the reaction from my horse? And to yeah. me, that challenge brings just as much joy as being able to go out, you know, and head one and turn it and we're six seconds and we take home a check. I get just as much enjoyment of being able to wiggle my pinky toenail and get my horse to yield his hind end. Yeah. So I mean, I'd like to mop the floor with a couple of people, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Sure, well, sure. Mr. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think that you gave everybody some really awesome things to consider and to try out with their horsemanship going forward. Um, I know that I've got a bunch of cool new tools that I'm excited to use. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And you- I've been listening to both of you. Thanks for, uh, oh, I'm the first guest, huh? You are. Yeah, you are guest. the first guest. Wow. What an honor. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You were the first person we even thought of actually. Thank you. I, I yeah, really, you're welcome. That's cool. Um, and I appreciate it very, very much, very much. And you can find rooster on TikTok. Your TikTok handle is at rooster. rooster dot yep. horse. Nope. Just rooster horse. One word, all lowercase. Rooster horse. Yeah. That's why I call him uh, rooster. I'm not just fucking crazy. I'm, I'm fairly interactive as long as people are polite. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I don't bite. I'm not a professional horse trainer. I get paid to do it for some people, but it's not my, that's not how I feed my family. So as long as people are respectful yeah. and generally want to learn, I'm open to it. I, send me comments, send me videos. I will help anyone I can. Awesome. Well, and what are we talking sure about your... next week? Uh, oh gosh, I don't even know. Oh, well, I guess shoot. we haven't, we haven't really talked about what we want to do next. <laughs> I, I, I can pick something well, right now. Um, well, here we, we talked a lot about, uh, horses about- being mirrors and reflectors and everything. Do you want to talk about mental health next week? Yeah. You know what? We'll talk about mental health next week. Okay, cool. I could use a kick in the ass. Maybe that's what I need right now. <laughs> we'll okay, see well, you guys I, next time. We, well, we got to talk about our shit too, Alex. Oh, my bad. Sorry. I don't do enough (laughs) self-promoting, obviously. Well, we will have Rooster's um, information in the show notes. Um, You can find me on all the social medias at Foxtrot Equine. Alex, you can find at Scooby Dizzle. 
<laughs> and we and I will always make sure that she all of her stuff is spelled out in the show notes that it's easier to find. <laughs> Um, and then find the, uh, the high horse podcast on Facebook and check out our new website. Yeah. Our website that I still need a picture and bio from you on. See now it's recorded. So you have to give it to you. Yeah. Third time I've texted you Maureen. Damn. No, you've only texted me once. Don't, don't tell three times. No, that's bullshit. I'll post screenshots. Don't try me. I I will take a screenshot right now. Don't even. I just want to say thank you again. And, um, uh, you guys are first for me. You are the first people I have given my phone number to that I've met on TikTok. What? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yo, look, and, uh, look at us go. Oh, I hope to further conversations even outside of the podcast. So I appreciate you guys and what you're doing. Oh, I'm definitely yeah. going to harass you now. Yeah. I don't, now we're all, yeah. Now we're all in group text. So. Hours, so. But. Uh, <laughs> forward to talking to you guys and you're doing a great job and if there's anything i can do to kind of help promote your podcast i'm willing so let me know awesome thank you yeah thanks and we'll see you guys next time